Welcome on back in the Sling Sports Podcast. Your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McKee and Colin Kinese. Fellas, last Zoom recording for now, before we go back to school within this next week. Can't wait to see you boys in person. It's going to be awesome. Back to the good old days. Yeah, it's the last Zoom recording for the uh, the month of January, the winter breaks. And I'm starting to think it might be the last one for a while. We're going to be looking at three months or so, probably. Um, we'll ride it into May, most likely. But uh, I'm glad. I love the in-person. Nice to see all of you. Looking forward to seeing all the guys, too. Not just you two, but everyone. Um, it's going to be really nice, uh, our last semester at college mm-hmm. yeah very very much looking forward to seeing everyone going back uh i believe we we already have a movie movie date plan next week uh with the fellas um so excited for that but with that being said we're going to talk about our highlights of the week talk about some exciting things that's been going on in our lives who wants to start us i'll go first uh i had a very interesting luncheon on monday afternoon with six people aged 80 plus uh, and three of them were aged 90 plus wow what is interesting about this is i'm doing a capstone for my uh my major this upcoming semester and the capstone revolves around the erie canal and believe it or not everyone over the age of 80 loves the erie canal so for like an hour we just talked about the erie canal and I was thinking I should have a microphone right now, just start recording this information for all of these Erie Canal enthusiasts out there. So put me in a great direction. Love speaking with the with the elderly. They're a great bunch. Uh, two of them were my grandparents too, which is very nice. But shout out the elderly, shout out the Erie Canal, and I'll keep you guys posted on the Erie Canal as uh, we work through it this upcoming semester. <laughs> very wholesome. I'm I'm very excited to hear what's to come of the uh, of the Erie Canal as well. I cannot wait. Um, do you want to go next or do you want me to go next, Colin? I'll take it. Why not? Why not? Um, no Erie Canal talk, so for those who are listening right now, I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm about to bore you to death. But uh, yeah, I started my internship on Monday. It's going pretty good. Uh, I was just telling Finn and Wally I got the day off today because I did work after 5.30 and the boss told me don't do work after 5:30, so for that she gave me the day off, and so now we're just we're relaxing. I'm gonna hit the gym after this, um, and yeah, I mean the biggest highlight is 48 hours from now I should probably be getting to Hughes any minute, so I'm excited wow. for that. I'm excited to get back to school, like you know I love I love going home with the family. I love my family. I love being around them, but. I mean, there's just something about Hughes being with the boys. It's just awesome. Like, I, I just always, I'm always itching to get back there, and it's finally coming. Yeah, I'm gonna echo right off that. Uh, you said 48 hours, and about 24 hours, I'll be departing to uh, to head to Hughes. Um, again, love being home with the family. Cannot get enough of it. But uh, there is something different about being up at school, being away, and uh, this is the last time we're gonna do it. It's uh, yeah. it's pretty. Pretty bittersweet going back this Yeah, time. I'm not going back for a week. We'll see. But it uh, <laughs> should be pretty cool when I do get back. Wait, you're going back on Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday morning. Because do you on not have Tuesday, classes? On Tuesday, I'm celebrating my one-year anniversary with my girlfriend. Aww. I love dearly. So. <laughs> you guys started dating on my birthday? That's Your birthday crazy. the 16th? Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, well, I view it as MLK Day. That's what I view our uh, well, MLK Day is the fifteenth, though. Yeah, but it's the first Monday. Yeah, whatever, whatever it is, the I second, know. third Monday. Blah blah blah. Sorry, not to disrespect MLK. That was rude of me. Sorry. Regardless. No, always. <laughs> we we love we love MLK Day. Moving on, we're gonna get into the sports. We're gonna start off NCAA, and uh, we're gonna group football in here. Start off, obviously, biggest headline of the week. Michigan Wolverines win the national championship. Oh, Colin didn't eat his hat. I say, Colin, Colin finally uh, got one right when he picked against Washington. Yeah. Um, hey, you win some, you lose some, and I'm I'm one in three on the year right now going against Washington. So, uh, I would like to say, congratulations. I think uh, I've been seeing a lot of things. I think that this puts Jim Harbaugh into like the elite tier of, you know, head coaching. Cause I saw a thing talking about, you know, he's now won a national championship. He brought Michigan back to prominence. You know, I mean, they were still good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying like they were a bottom feeding team, but he brought them to prominence. He did the same thing in Stanford. He did the same thing at San, San Diego state, I believe is where he was at before that. I mean, he went to the 49ers and took them to three straight NFC ships. So like, I would say, you know, this this shows that Jim Harbaugh is an elite coach, no matter if he's in the NFL, in college, and any team would be glad to have him. Yeah, um, props to Harbaugh, props to Michigan. Obviously, everything that happened this year with the cheating and suspensions and still him not being on the sidelines for arguably two of their – not arguably, two of their biggest games of the regular season and being able to get through those games um, – win them i mean besides the the ohio state game was like a, a one possession game but penn state was basically i mean they dominated that entire game and then uh, to go all the way to the national championship and win they're the real deal they were the best team in the country this year and i don't really think there was any doubt about that and um also wanted to note that their 303 rushing yards in the game were most ever in a title game as well, which was pretty impressive. Uh, they had like 174 coming out of the first quarter, I believe. I think you hit the nail on the head, Jake, with the best team in the country, and that's what Michigan was really mm. from the get-go. And some people try and say Georgia could have beaten them in a head-to-head, but you lost to Alabama, so Georgia, you're out of it. Um I agree with Harbaugh. I think that he has cemented his legacy as one of the greatest coaches of all time. But what is still funny to me is that this Michigan team is being treated as overcoming adversity to win a national championship. And they did overcome adversity, but it's just humorous to me that the adversity is cheating and your head coach getting suspended for seven out of the 15 games that you played in um, this season. And that's adversity. It takes an entire... Organization or not an organization, entire school, an entire program to overcome something like that. But just when I think of adversity, I think of a player getting injured. Say JJ McCarthy tears his ACL and he's out for the entire year. I don't think of your head coach being suspended for cheating, but they were the best team in the country. I hate Michigan. My hat is off for them, though. Uh, they most definitely deserve that, that championship. One. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to like echo off that, like you said, about how they're still getting like a lot of hate and the people are saying like, oh, like if Georgia was there, da, 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 da. there's a lot of stuff on like Instagram and Twitter or people just like, like bashing them saying they don't deserve it. And everybody like just everybody is bringing up the whole cheating scandal, which 
like I it was a thing. I'm not gonna like deny it. I'm not gonna brush it under the rug and just say it wasn't there. Like it happened. And then everybody was just like in the comments, like, oh, like, like how how is this team allowed to do this when you know your head coach was suspended twice in the season? Well, one, he got suspended twice for the same thing. One was by the team. One was by the NCAA. Two, like, again, I I mean, I'll go back to the argument that we had when this first got brought up. I don't know how this even mattered. Every team could do this. I'm, I'm I would be shocked if there wasn't teams that do do this. I mean, I, I there was a uh, there, there was a report. <laughs> Uh, I don't remember where the article was, um, but I saw it on Twitter that the only team in the country who is not doing something like that is Vanderbilt, and there's a reason <laughs> Vanderbilt stinks because of it. <laughs> Just catching a mean, stray for no reason. That would definitely make sense. Vanderbilt has been abys- abysmal <laughs> for years. Um, no, when it comes to Michigan, we already talked about the cheating. I'm not really going to go all, all into that. Um, I wanted to point... I wanted to make one last blurb about Washington. Um, you know, I've been high on them all year. Uh, what Kalen DeBoer has been able to do with that program over the – this is his third year there um, – is absolutely – or his second year there, I should say, because three years ago they were – I don't want to say Washington wasn't a competitive uh, school, but in two years he already turned them into a team that was vying for a national championship by recruiting Michael Penix, by bringing in all this talent. And – um I just think that's very impressive and something that wasn't talked about enough when it came to this national championship, especially because even throughout this season, a lot of people were not giving Washington their credit um, throughout the Pac-12 either. So just wanted to give them one last props, give them their flowers. Yes, yes. it was a rough game for them, but they very much deserved great to be season. there and had a great season. Moving on to the basketball side of things, we had two the top two teams, I should say, in the AP poll fall last night, and that was Purdue to Nebraska and Houston to Iowa State, both two unranked teams. I uh, I don't want to dive too much on the Houston one. I, I personally don't think they're – I mean, they were undefeated, but at the same time, I don't really know how much you could look at that and say, oh, they're the number two team in the country. I think talent-wise, they're probably not up there with these other teams. I mean, they, they brought back uh, – uh, I think it was LJ Cryer and then Sheed. And then, I mean, they brought in some recruits from transfers at the same time. Like this game last night in Iowa State, I'm pretty sure Houston was only like one point favorites on the road. So like, again, number two team in the country, lost, you know, probably shouldn't have. But at the same time, I don't think they're as high quality. The Purdue one was crazy. That's the one I want to look at. It's because I was watching all that stuff about it. Nebraska, the shots they were hitting down the stretch were insane. They were just coming off of screens fading three-pointers, and they couldn't miss. It was, like, actually insane. And this is a team that, if they could do this, they're a dangerous team. I mean, they're looking like they're a team that's going to make the tournament. They're 13-3 and right now. They just knocked off the number one team in the country. They have quality wins. And they held Zach Eady to 15-7. and Don't know how they did it. Did it somehow. And, yeah, they're a team that, if they get hot, they could make some noise in the tournament and, you know, have another knockoff performance. I think two things... Oh, you Tomanaga go. is just a dog. That's all. He's like a, just a Steph Curry for Nebraska. The shots he hits are insane. That's just the last thing I wanted to point out. I think two things, one with Houston, one with Purdue. Regarding Houston, they haven't played a top 25 team in the country, and they're not going to play a top 25 team until BYU, which I think is later this month. They've still mm-hmm. got three or four games until they're there. So should you be number two in the country? Probably not if you haven't even played a top 25 team. You can be a ranked team, certainly, even top 10. As for Purdue, 
it's a good loss to have in Nebraska. You're going to lose a game. You're not going to go the entire way. We're writing this off. Yes, Nebraska is unranked. They're definitely going to be ranked now. But as you said, Colin, they're 13-3. and three. They're not a pushover. It's not like they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson again. But with Purdue, we had this conversation last year when they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson. This team revolves around Zach Eady, and I was starting to get on the Purdue hype train a little bit. They had a win over top 10 Illinois um, just a few days ago. They have beaten four top 10 teams this year. They have they have their most impressive resume in the country for this entire season. And then they lose this game to Nebraska, and it just makes me think, if you can neutralize Zach Eady, they do not have the depth. They have more than last year, very much so. It's not all true freshmen around Eady, but this team is not going to lose in the first round, probably won't lose in the second round. But based on matchups, if you have one decent big man who is 6'10 plus who can attempt to neutralize him, Purdue cannot do anything. And that's where it's going to turn into matchups. If Purdue can get lucky and get all the way through and they're not playing a team that has any size or a team that can shoot the three ball like Nebraska was able to do, hucking up threes in crunch time with this game, I'm just, I'm fishy. I'm iffy on Purdue. Everyone was, everyone should be, but it, it's all going to be matchups for them for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, both you hit everything right, right on the head. Um, <clears throat> if you can, again, Edie is this team. Um, they have more depth than last year. Um, I compared them a lot last year uh, to this Illinois team we had seen a couple of years ago with Kofi Cokeburn and uh, Io Desumbu, where that was kind of run through uh, Cokeburn the entire time as well, um, with some pieces sprinkled in around. They're very similar as well, Big Ten-wise. But um, if you could neutralize Edie, like you just said, Wally, there's no way that this team can really go far, especially if that team on the offensive end as well has shooters on the outside that you can kick it out to. Um, That's going to be their downfall. And again, that's what, I mean, that's what college basketball is as well when it comes to tournament time is all the matchups as well. Um, Which makes it so much fun. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, I won't touch too much on Houston. I'm not very high on them this year. Um, They were ranked two and they did fall, but Again, I think that'll that'll be the eventual turn for them. Is I don't think we're going to see them as much of one of those higher higher ranked teams later on. Um, one more nod to Nebraska. This was their first win over an AP number one since 1982 as well. Now BYU had their first top 20 ma- 25 matchup of Big 12 play, and they ended up losing to Baylor. Yeah, they lost also- to Baylor after losing to Cincinnati, too, mm-hmm. meaning they have lost their first two in Big 12 play. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to touch on. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, they're top 25. It's cool to see a team that's not usually there in there. And then at the end of the day, though, it's BYU. Like, they're going to be good. They're going to have a chance to maybe, you know, have a knockoff game like we just saw with, like, Nebraska or something like that. But they're not a team that's going to compete. They're not – they don't have – the star power they don't have just like the overall team quality of other teams so you, you could have that one cinderella game where everything's clicking they're shooting 60 percent from the field 45 percent from three and they get a knockoff game but this isn't a team where they're going to go do it the next night i mean i once they run into like a powerhouse like you said we, they play houston soon which i we just knocked on houston a little bit but still i think houston's a better team than byu so we'll see how they hold up yet again playing another good team 
Yeah, uh, I mean, BYU had a top 25 win over San Diego State earlier in the year, and now they're in the Big 12. We said this is their first year playing in the Big 12, and they're going to have some tough matchups um, just throughout their schedule. They could eventually get in their rhythm and have become one of those pesky teams come tournament time. Granted, they make it. I mean, they are um, 12-3 and right now, so they're looking pretty good at that spot but um it's going to take them some time and especially playing in a bigger conference like that one of the most competitive conferences in college basketball might i add it's going to be difficult especially first year in so i think it's just going to be an adjustment period for them seeing where they can go from there moving on we've got the nhl and a lot of drama surrounding this trade and that's the flyers trading their top prospect, Cutter Gutier, to the Anaheim Ducks. I uh, I knew nothing about this. So then when I saw this on the thing, I started looking it up. And it's actually, like, really funny. He, I think it's hilarious. I do. Yeah. They drafted him. He said, I, I, I want to be here. I want to be a flyer. And then now he's just telling them, I don't want to be here. <laughs> And then the coaching staff says, all right, well, then we don't want you here, and they trade him. But it's just funny that a top prospect could just flat out say, like, I don't want to be here, and then now he's traded. Well, what I had heard is he wasn't showing up for different si- different signings, and I thought he wasn't coming back from camp because I thought he was at the World Juniors as well. Um, so that also was some issue is that he just did not want to show up. And then eventually, yes, he was like, I don't want to be here. And now everyone is publicly coming out and saying, oh, well, we don't want you. Like everyone in the organization, everyone surrounding the team is just like, get out of here. Like, please leave. Yeah, I thought I found it to be very funny. He's the fifth overall pick in 2022, Gautier. And originally, Philadelphia was trying to work through this. And it makes sense. It's a young kid. Sometimes they don't want to be in that organization. You go through some turmoil. But it reached this boiling point of John Tortorella, the Flyers head coach, just saying, if you don't want to be here, we don't want you here. Get out of here. Which is, like, hilarious. But I'm also a little bit concerned of if Cutter Gautier is able to force his way out of Philadelphia, what else is going to happen with these prospects? And not just in hockey, but sports entirely. You have the ability to force your way out. And the most prominent example of this is Eli Manning refusing to play for the Chargers in 2004. But no disrespect to Gautier, you're the fifth overall pick, but you're not Connor Bedard. Like, you're not that number one guy where you control the entire NHL. And you definitely are good enough. There's a reason you were the fifth overall pick. And Philadelphia was able to get at least a decent return for you getting sent to Anaheim. It's not like they just straight up cut him because it was... And it was not able to be fixed, this situation. But I'm just a little bit worried of what's going to happen with future players who don't want to be in that situation, who don't want to play for that franchise. Yeah, it definitely is an interesting thing. And, I mean, this is getting a lot of traction in the sports world in general, uh, this entire trade and this entire situation. So I don't. it's something to definitely keep an eye on um, following other leagues, other places, and like you said, Wally, this did very much remind me of Eli Manning and the Chargers. Um, it was vaguely, not I mean, not to the same extent. I feel like this is a little bit more 
wild. But yeah, um, interesting. I just think it's hilarious overall. <laughs> um, Connor McDavid last night coming out about offsides reviews, saying if it's taking you 15 minutes to review it, then there shouldn't be a review at all. Yeah, and this is a universal thing for sports. I want to read a quote, uh, which was in a story in the Edmonton Journal by Robert Tykowski. Um, and he said in his column, but if it takes the Hubble telescope or a forensic scientist and so long to make the decision that half of the fans can't remember what the challenge is about in the first place, then maybe let things be, which is so perfect. It's an offsides call. You know, like if there's goalie interference or something similar of that nature, then you can take 15 minutes, but it's offsides. Either you're offsides or you aren't. You don't need for it to be this complicated. You don't need to make it this excessive. And Edmonton ended up winning this game. They beat Chicago 2-1. to one. But for McDavid to still be this outraged, and he is your, he's your, the face of your league, and he's speaking out like this. And he's right. He's very much right. Yeah. Um, I mean, nobody, nobody, whether you're a fan, you're a player, and I, I'm sure the refs don't want to do it either. Like, sitting there for that long is just painful on all ends. Like, But at the... I don't know if I got this right. From what I saw, the offsides call, he assisted Dryside on a goal, and then it got called back because of offsides. Is that how what it yeah. was? Yeah. Which, yeah. like, right now, regular season, I guess it's not as big. But the thing, like, once you get into, like, meaningful games, like, you're talking end of season. Like, if say say this was against Edmonton, and it was an offsides, and they were just, like, looked at it, and they are like, all right, this is taking too long, no offsides, da-da-da-da. And then it turns out it was wrong. You know he's probably going to be a little pissed off about that. There's 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 levels to it where, at at some point, like if it's going to determine a game, yeah, take as much time as you need. But like right now, when you're not even halfway through the season, it's just like, why are we doing this? Yeah, and I mean when it comes to reviews, that's where I'm always like, especially in the NFL when they're saying it's confirmed or it's it stands that's like where the difference is is like they can't find that clear evidence to overturn it or to keep it so i mean at that point you just have to give up um when i was looking at what they were doing for this the amount of zooming in zooming out and like pausing unpausing of all the camera angles again it's an offsides penalty like you don't you don't need to go that in depth he's either either over the line or not and that's that that it's literally, and it just, I don't know. You don't have to go that extra, and especially like you just said, Colin, it's a regular season game. It's not like it's a playoff game seven right now. Um, it is big for Edmonton because they've been going on uh, quite a run recently. So, I mean, big for them in that sense. But still, like, it ultimately is a minute part of the game. Um, so, yeah. That- that's the other thing is is when I first saw this and I started looking into it is it made it seem like this was this was um like a game deciding thing with all the publicity it's getting and everything like that like it wasn't Edmonton still won it's not like there was yeah. an offsides call and they lost on it or anything like that like they still won that's why I think it's crazy all the attention this is getting which I mean it he's not wrong it's just really blowing up. I mean, they still won. It still seemed to be an issue. And obviously when a star player like that is speaking out, maybe that's when you start looking at the 
value of the replay or how long something should be replayed for, especially if it's an offsides penalty. Winnipeg is on a seven-game win streak, currently the league-high 58 points and leading that Central Division. Yeah, they're pretty good at that hockey game, and uh, it's not just a seven-game winning streak. They haven't lost in regulation since December 13th, which was to San Jose of all teams, so I think they took that personally. Um, But more impressive is Connor Hallibuck, who hasn't lost a game in regulation since November 30th, and he's giving up 1.57 goals per game and saving uh, 9.44 um, percent saves shots. They're just on fire. Um, they're the best team in the NHL right now. Yeah, I had no, not a single clue about this. If you would have asked me about Winnipeg, I would have said they're they're a middle of the pack team. And then I saw the headline that we had on the script, and I was like, I had to go look for myself. I was trying to figure it out because I was like, you know, they don't have they have. I mean, I think their top point getter is like tied for 25th in the league, and that same person's like 24th in assists. And then like they don't have anybody in the top 25 in goals. I'm like, what? Like they're like beating teams by good margins. It's not like they're winning yeah. one nothing games. Like they are beating teams. And then that's when I saw uh, Hellebuck's stats, and I was just like, yeah. I mean, second in record, third in goals allowed, fourth in save percentage. It's it's a defensive team, I guess. Very much a defensive team. I mean. In this entire win streak, there hasn't been a game where they've given up more than two goals either. Um, they've been very impressive. Uh, very Going very much under the radar as well. Like you said, Colin, Like I, I didn't realize they were jumping up as quick as they were. If you would have asked me before I looked at uh, the standings, I would have thought that the Avs would have still been in first in that, in that division. Um, I knew it was obviously... They're duking it out, everyone there. But um, they're playing impressive hockey, and it is certainly springing from the defensive end, and the offensive side of the puck is quite literally a team game for them right now. Passing it around to everyone. Panthers are on an eight-game win streak, and they are only two points back of Boston for the lead in the Atlantic. And what they're doing... You got it. You got it. You All got right. It. Well, well, just what they're doing is that they still have that insane goaltending that Winnipeg is having over these eight games. They've given up 15 goals, but the offense is 10 times more insane. They've scored 36 goals in those eight games, including an eight to four win over Colorado, which is a disgusting win to have on your resume. Yeah. And uh, s- sorry, Cod. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. No, no, you no. can go if you I need got, to. No, 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 no. I got this. I got this. You get it. You got it. Uh, it's Sam Reinhart. Second in goals in the NHL right now as well. Um, having an impressive season himself. And that offense is just amazing right now. They're putting up goals like crazy. And yeah, I mean, Wally, you basically said it. That 8-4 to four win over the abs just puts is show, showcasing exactly what they're able to do right now on the ice. They're not only on an eight-game winning streak. They're on an eight-game winning streak where they have played, like, pretty much all the best teams in the, in the NHL. They've beaten mm-hmm. the Avs. They've beaten Vegas twice. They've beaten the Rangers. In the Rangers, yeah. Yeah, like, they are – they have an impressive schedule. And they're it's, – it's a crazy eight-game win streak. That's, like, the only way to put it. Like, the teams they're beating is insane. This isn't something that you should be doing, especially for a Panthers team that, like, hasn't – 
you know, I mean, they're, they're not even in first in their division right now. Like, they haven't been, you know, maybe the Florida Panthers team that people expected coming off of the, the Stanley Cup run that they made. So, maybe yeah, they, back. they did start a little slow, um, charging back up there, obviously. Uh, and two years ago, obviously, winning the President's Trophy as well. Um, so, maybe getting back to that Florida Panthers that we've been seeing in recent years. Um, who knows? But... We'll move on to our teams. Wally, I'll let you take it away with the Rangers first. Yeah, there's just no consistency. They're in a rut right now. Um, Capococco might be returning soon, which is good within the next week, possibly, which is going to help on the lower lines. But I'm trying not to care that much about it. You know, they lost to Montreal in a shootout. They overcame a 3-0 deficit to get back into that game. The Canadians are a bad team which is the only disappointing part. And then they just get ran out of the arena or skated out of the arena rather against Vancouver. Um, and that's one of the best teams in the NHL. It happens. They're in a rut. You go through 82 games. Winnipeg started slow. At, they're at the top of the league right now. Vegas had the hottest start in the NHL. They're not even first in their own division. Um, whoop de doo I don't have that much to say about them. They'll be okay. Well, I guess we could take it away with the Lightning, Colin, if you would like to start. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about inconsistent? Let's talk about the Lightning. I mean, six <laughs> and four in their last 10. And it's just, I mean, they had a great win last night against the Kings. I was watching that game. The Brandon Hagel game tying goal was insane. Like, that was a, a filthy goal. Amazing. And they, yeah. They take it into overtime. Vassy has an incredible save to save the game. They come right down off of that save score. Um, I mean, and then, like, they're losing to teams like Montreal. They they get blown out by Winnipeg. I mean, I know they had the blowout loss to Boston, which is acceptable. I mean, Boston's one of the best teams in the NHL. But these teams that they're losing to aren't the greatest. Like, they have wins against Vegas and L.A. within the last month, and they also have losses to, like, Calgary. Like, it's they're, – they're, it's, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm hoping this stretch, um, especially with that win against L.A., can spring a little bit of uh, consistency for them. They play New Jersey, Anaheim, Minnesota here on this um, home stint coming up. Uh, they had three away games since we talked about them last week. They lost to Winnipeg and Boston on both of those, but did beat Minnesota. Um, so beating up on Minnesota and Montreal even two weeks ago, but again, just can't seem to compete with those teams that are scorching hot right now. Boston, obviously, still at the top of the Atlantic, but um, Winnipeg, like we were just talking about, is, is playing some of their best hockey right now. They need to get these wins over these, I don't want to say bad teams, but I'll say also inconsistent teams um, to help boost them up a little bit because they've got some tough stretches coming up along the way um so we'll see i think that last night um that comeback win can be a big spark for them though um going forward Definitely. especially against la moving on we've got the halftime hustle we're gonna start it off everyone's favorite segment we've got drip of the week who wants to start us why don't you start us? All right, I will start us. Um, so this week, uh, obviously, got to congratulate Green Bay Packers making it into the playoffs. 
Um, Yawn. But lost to Tommy DeVito in prime time. But uh, a news reporter outside of Lambeau Field this week was uh, (laughs) was, uh, you know, reporting on what the team was doing, what was coming up for them. And uh, some Packers fan just uh, came up in the shot, um, you know, very excited and uh, was saying pack is back and, uh, you know, did the little strapped and uh, threw the glasses on. Um, that Packers fan that the that the reporter mentioned was actually uh, Jair Alexander, cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I thought that was hilarious. He's had some of the best press conferences so far this year. Um, he also got uh, he also got sidelined for a game because uh, he almost called not, not the only wrong... sidelined su- suspended. Yeah, like, yeah, did not he, get paid for that one game. because because he almost called the wrong. Uh, the wrong thing because he wanted to go on defense first rather than offense in overtime in a well, crucial that, game. He wasn't, he wasn't even allowed to go out for the coin toss. He just <laughs> yeah. went out because he's from Charlotte and said, all right, I want to go do it. And then he did it wrong. It almost messed it up for them. I love Jair. One of my favorite players in the league. This is a, I, I thought this was a very funny drip of the week seeing him on, on that newscast. I like it. Um, mine's pretty funny as well. And mine is not pertaining to specifically this person but some of the replies and that is jake browning's girlfriend and i don't care about the girlfriend um herself good for you jake browning whoop to do um but what she's wearing is a white suit that uh could be used for different things and an orange bucket hat but i just want to read three of my favorite replies to this tweet um regarding her and her outfit one person said she out there looking like she just finished the race against Apollo Ono, uh, as in the Olympian uh, speed skater, which is very funny to me. Another one was out here looking like a Fortnite skin. Um, and my third favorite one was I found Frozone's super suit. So I don't, you know, good for you. Cool outfit, supporting your boyfriend. Love it. All that fun stuff. But I just found the replies to be so funny. Apollo I, Ono. I, I did see it. it. It literally looked like a morph suit. Like, you know those morph suits for like... they like they, you go as Halloween. They used to, yeah, you used to wear them for Halloween. Perfect. Yeah. And it was just this, this color. Like, she just said white morph suit. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll take it a little bit out of the, the, the comedy realm here. Something that is like... Twitter has absolutely blown up for this today. I mean, this is a back-to-back week of something from Barstool, I guess, that has blown up the golf world. And that is the four-play golf guys. Um, they play with Tiger Woods. I mean, Tiger might honestly be, like, the pop- most popular name in sports right now after everything that's come out with with Nike. And, um, he, I mean, he's, he's also in a, a bit of a similar thing with Bridgestone. I've been, I saw things that... Uh, he had one tournament this year that he played in where he didn't use their balls and just he's like one of the biggest names in sports right now he may be the biggest name right now in sports with with all the controversy that's going on and just these four guys that work for barstool sports played golf with them like i think one i just think that's one of the sickest things ever to, to play with the greatest of all time in a sport and two, the the entire world is going crazy over it, like absolutely insane. It was also, I mean, their uh, their whole podcast. Obviously, they're huge on golf, big golfers, but and they've been doing all of this like with golfers and stuff. But I know that at least 
two of them their biggest like dream when they started the podcast was to play with tiger and like yeah. to see them finally do that is pretty pretty awesome that's like been like the thing like they they bring in golfers all the time and like hi Nate, like they played with i mean off the top of my head i don't really know but like they put out so many videos of playing with pga tour players and not even just like bottom feeders like they're playing with like the top players in the world and every time like they have pods like i listen to the podcast and they mentioned so many times, like, one day we're going to play with Tiger. One day we're going to play with Tiger. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it happened, which is just sick to see. Yeah, it is awesome. One of the greatest golfers to ever live as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, what he's doing right now, he's in, the, he's in the news. Well, with that being said, we're going to move on to our Players of the Week. So I'll, I'll take it first, actually, again, just because mine isn't mine isn't that exciting. Um Nick Perbix of the Tampa Bay Lightning, rookie, had his first ever overtime goal last night to complete the Lightning's comeback win following 2-0 deficit, winning it in overtime with his goal to win 3-2. Congrats to him. Congratulations. Congratulations. Big milestone for him. That's great. I'm going to go, I think mine transitions nicely. Uh, The opposite end of the spectrum of professional athletes, a player who finished off his career, and that is Sterling Shepard. Uh, capped off his Giants career uh, the dominant win over the Eagles on Sunday. His career finishes with 372 catches, 4,095 yards, and 23 touchdowns. Young Shep, as he is known, came in in 2016, got to the playoffs twice, battled injuries, concussions, Achilles, ACLs. Great energy every single year. One of my favorite Giants of all time. Please enjoy retirement, Young Shep. Congrats on retirement. Retired. Yeah, congratulations. I sir. actually, I did see that yesterday. I wasn't sure if it was uh, true or not. So I, I appreciate you for confirming that. Also, <laughs> him coming into the league in 2016 is crazy. Because if you would have told me he came in in the 2019-2020 draft, I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, yeah, like he was there like for the OBJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Part of, he, was, he was in the boat picture for the boat trip in 2016. Yeah. He was there. As a rookie, 22 years old, maybe 23. Well, let's keep this. Let's keep this in the NFL. And it's not a player of a week. It's players of the week. And that goes to Josh Harris and company, aka the owners of the Washington Commanders. Mm. Um, what they are doing with this team right now, uh, I don't know if I've ha- ever had this experience in my life of being this optimistic about the Washington Commanders. They just fired Ron Rivera. Who that was that was a long time coming. I I didn't really think he should have been the coach coming into this year, but they got rid of him. Finally, someone had the um uh, I'll just say it. Someone finally had the balls to do it. Everybody it seemed it seemed like no one wanted to do it, and they finally did it. Earlier in the season, they fired Jack Del Rio, uh, and all the reports have come out this year that they are just cleaning house from top to bottom. Anybody in the in the front office of the organization is pretty much like gone or going to be gone um they're, they've already come out they had an interview with uh lions oc ben johnson and he's already the favorite to become the head coach which is amazing like, that is who i wanted they have the second pick they have drake may they're already talking about shipping some players that you know are older and not what they want they're getting rid of some people they have the most cast base in the nfl my god this is the most happy and optimistic that i've been for a washington commanders team in possibly my entire life and they're coming off of a four and twelve season. It's insane. Like I, I, it's it's mind blowing to me what this feels like right now. And this uh, this all could happen, and they can go five and eleven next year. 
but it's just the point of like there's promise there's new things there everybody's happy within the organization it's awesome now what about if uh they draft jj mccarthy at two second overall i was gonna ask the same thing not necessarily jj mccarthy but what's gonna happen if this doesn't work out well if it doesn't work and they still stink then they're gonna scrap it and go back to the drawing boards i guess and then i'm gonna go back again a sad command Okay. So, um, I'm glad you're a I've happy been... Commanders fan after losing your last eight to close out the regular season. That's perfect. That's perfect. We got the second pick. And the best part about getting the second pick is we got the second pick and we beat the Patriots, who we had the same record with. So I'm get, I don't know I don't know if it's like conference play that determines this or how it works strength out. Strength of schedule. It's strength of schedule, yeah. Yeah. And we beat the Patriots. So now I have that over Casey. And now we have the pick above the Patriots, which I have that over Casey with too. So what if they fun. trade ahead That's of you? Part of your Casey agenda. I, yeah, what if they trade up to one? <laughs> yeah, what I've if they seeing, trade ahead of you? <laughs> I've been seeing things about Washington trading up to one, which is the most idiotic thing I've ever seen in the world. Because if the Bears are going to take a quarterback, there's two quarterbacks on the board, which just take one of the two. I don't care. And well, two, what if, what if they take their pick? Like, what if they take the one that they want, though? I don't care. I'll take either or. The commanders spanking the Yeah, GM. but what if they don't want either or? They might only want one. I don't care what they want. I know what I want. <laughs> Make a call. Make a call. And I've been all the all the mock drafts where they trade up has the Bears taking Marvin Harrison at two. Why are you going to trade up if the Bears are just going to take a receiver anyways? Like it's just idiotic. It's making me look back on the the Markel Fultz Sixers trade when they traded up and the the, the Celtics didn't even want Markel Fultz in the first place. Like it's looking like that situation. You know, we don't need to get into that. It's a sore subject. But with that being said, well, I would say we'll talk about the draft at a later date. We're going to move on to the NBA now that you mentioned Markel Fultz. Mention some guys that uh, are going to miss some time. And uh, John Morant, revolving door for him, out for the year. Um, and uh, Tyrese Halliburton, this one, he's going to miss time for about two weeks, get reevaluated, and then see uh, see his timeline from there. The Halliburton one was was uh, a a big relief. I guess if you're a Pacers fan or a Tyrese Halliburton fan, because never met a Pacers fan, so yeah, they don't exist. Yeah, they don't exist. <laughs> but he really had to get carried off the floor. Like it was looking as like his season was over. This was really bad, and then it came back like ten minutes later. Like oh, he sprained his hamstring. So, uh, Ja, welcome back, Ja. Goodbye, Ja. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next season. Your MVP pick, never forget. Yeah. I forgot he was After suspended. I forgot suspended he was suspended. For 25 games. Comes back for six games. Memphis was good for those six, too. What'd they go? Yeah. Like four and two? And John was looking 500. really good, too. Yeah, I, thought, I, thought they, I thought they were 500 because I know he – I know they went on like a th- on the They went on like a three-game losing streak. Oh. <laughs> well, even so, it's better than they were considering they had maybe 10 wins. When he returned from his suspension. But. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, Tough to see Halliburton missing some time as well. The Pacers are currently right outside of the play-in. Um, are, I mean, they're exceeding expectations at this point in the season. Uh, they are tied with the Heat and the Cavs as well, though. Um, Halliburton is the corner piece for, for the Pacers, though. So seeing him out for a little bit, I'm going to have to see how the Pacers react to that. Uh, turn on the Knicks tape, Wally. We've got a five-game win streak right now with OGN and Obi. Yeah, and uh, it's not just a five-game win streak. It is pure dominance over those five games since Ananobi was traded to the Knicks. 
and each week I've gotten progressively more, I've gotten happier about this Anobi trade um, and how it has gone, mainly on the defensive side of the ball. The Knicks are first in defensive rating in these five games in the entire NBA compared to the five games prior to Ananobi arriving where they were last in the NBA. Um, but OG is the first player in NBA history to have a plus minus of over 100 in his first five games with a team. Um, they beat Minnesota by six in this first game. They've won every other game by 15 plus, including a 36 point win over the Philadelphia 76ers, their biggest win since the 70s. And yeah, they've also played Chicago, Washington, and Portland, but this is a good team. They are way better off with Ananobi on the team. And I miss RJ. I miss IQ. They are much better off having Ananobi on this team. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about the impact that Ananobi was going to have. They're already sitting at the four spot in the East right now. Um, but I think they could, I mean, they're already proving they could, they could play very well um, with him on the squad. Uh and he's assimilating in very nicely, adding the scoring, adding the defense. I'm happy to see the Knicks doing well. And if the rumors are true, still potentially going for one more star. Or another piece, yeah. Turn on the Knicks tape, baby. <laughs> that was the only thing I was going to say. OG plus 111 in five games is just absolutely insane. <laughs> that, like, that is, that, it's just crazy. Like, and that, like, he doesn't even... The thing about that is, is yeah, like you can look at it as if like, like that's it's pretty much all plus minus is, is when he's on the court, the Knicks have outscored their opponents by 111 points. But at the same time you look at it, yeah, that's over five games. He's not playing all 48 minutes, five games. You're talking like no. over 35 minutes times five. You're looking at over a, like 175 minutes. They're up 111 points when he's on the court, <laughs> which is just an insane stat. It's awesome, man. It's I crazy. It. it is crazy. <laughs> uh, Toronto, the team on the opposite side of that trade, played uh, played the Lakers last night, and uh, their coach was not very happy following the fourth quarter of that game, specifically officiating-wise. I don't blame him one bit. The R.J. Barrett call when he... he Is that the three-pointer with the... Yeah, yeah that was awful. Up. That was and terrible. He a screen, and they called him... Like, I'm, like he, from the past... He didn't move. He just set a screen, did not move at all, and they called him for an illegal screen. They hit the three, and then, I don't know. I mean... Anthony Davis ran into him and and fell, I guess. And the Lakers also shot 23 free throws in the fourth quarter alone. Like, teams shoot 23 free throws in a game. When you're talking fourth quarter alone, like, that's just insane. Uh, And, of course, it's the Lakers. I hate the Lakers, so, of course, that's... I think that Darko has a very valid point to be this horrified with how the NBA is treating his team and his players more specifically. You mentioned the Lakers having 23 in the fourth quarter. For comparison, Toronto had two, two yeah. free throws. There was no the fouls. 12 called. minutes in that game. And yes, that can happen where one team is more handsy than the other, but not to that degree. There's not a plus 21 free throw attempt difference in one quarter, maybe for an entire game. And Toronto is not terrible. It's not like they're playing hack a LeBron, hack an AD 24-7. They're a decent team. They've been better since getting RJ and IQ. And I love Darko vouching for his players, specifically Scotty Barnes. I love the emotion. That is a coach that has his team on his back. He would live and die for them. And I want the NBA to fix that. And I know he's going to get fined for stating something that is nothing but true, which is extremely unfortunate and stupid and disappointing. 
it's frustrating for us as fans seeing it all the time, whether it be with our teams, with other teams, just watching the game. But coaches rarely get to show emotion for the exact reason that you said, Wally, um, the fines and getting restrictions from the NBA. But I give him plenty props here because he has he has reason to be upset. He has reason to be frustrated and voice his opinion. So in that press conference, when he did lash out and start like saying what was happening, what he was seeing straight up on the floor, I loved it. And he very much had every right to because there was there's just no way that it was that substantial of a difference when it came to fouls in the, in the fourth quarter to keep the Lakers in the game, might I say, might I claim. Um, and it's just absolutely outrageous that this is still something that we're dealing with in the NBA. And foul calls in the NBA are always iffy anyway nowadays, but just to this degree is absolutely outrageous. Joel Embiid, we talked about this last week. He was 10 games away last week. Now he's nine games away from missing out on potentially being considered for any awards. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to say really quickly, you should not be in consideration for awards if you lose to the Knicks by 36 points and you still put up 30. And if you're actually talking about MVP, you're not valuable if your 30 points means you still lose by 36. Carry on. Uh, I'm going to echo off of that. I don't think that matters one bit. You're talking one yeah. regular season game, and it's, it's a horrible shooting performance in that game. Like, that's just – it's just what happens. Like, that happens all the time. I mean, there's going to be a game sometime later this season. Or it may have already happened. I don't really follow them that much. But there's going to be a game at some point this season where – the Nuggets are going to lose by 2025. 20, like, it's going to happen. And Jokic may Horrible shooting up. and horrible defense, too. It's not just well, yeah. bad shooting. It's not like they lost 100 to 70. It's not, it's not got like... 130 plus put on them. It's not like I'm also just like saying that as one season. game of reference. I'm yeah, saying... that's what I was going to say. It hasn't been the whole season. They're still the third seed in the East, and I'm pretty sure, like, one game back of Milwaukee for second. So, I mean, it's still... But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to elaborate on this at first. Because, yes, I want him to win MVP. Right now, he's the MVP of the league with what he has been doing this season. But honestly and truthfully, if he misses 10 more games and misses it by one, I don't care too much if he gets the award or not. At the end of the day, I want him to win. But if he does what he does and, say, misses this by one game and can't get the award, you know, they give it to Jokic, they give it to Shea, whoever they want to give it to. They can go give it to Boban for all I care. If he misses the award and still puts up consistently throughout the season what he's been doing, he's still the best player in the NBA this season. He's still technically, like, you know, should have won the award but just didn't because of injuries. Like, it's still going to be there that, you know, he was the best player in the league this season. He just missed some games. The only thing I want them to worry about right now, just win when it matters. Please just win when it matters. That's all I'm asking. I don't care if Embiid wins all the awards possible or wins no awards. If you have a playoff run, I will be happy with this year. That was going to be my biggest takeaway is Embiid can put up as whatever numbers he wants. If he misses nine games, 10 games, I don't, it doesn't matter if they're winning games and he's still putting up numbers. That's the big thing is I don't think it's about personal awards much for them anymore, especially he got his MVP last year. Like whether he puts up these stats or not and gets considered. Okay. Um, 
good, but what the Sixers need to do is lock in and actually win games, especially right now. They're sitting at the three seed of the Celtics and the Bucks are ahead of them, which I mean, I believe are more complete teams at the time that we're speaking right now, obviously, but especially if you're trying to bring in someone else um, before the trade deadline, then you've really got to start hammering down and making your case for what you want to put on, especially going into the playoffs. I mean, there's still plenty of time left, but right now is there's, there's no time like the present. Just start winning games, especially the games you should be winning. My stability is availability. Very true. true. Finally, we are at the NFL. And to start out, before we get to the big playoff picture, we've got some coach firings. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Colin, Ron Rivera. Arthur Smith was one of the first. I believe he was fired literally at midnight on Monday. And uh, <laughs> Mike Vrabel, all fired. And obviously other moving parts around the league as well, whether that be OCs, DCs, other skill position coaches. I, I would just like to just get this off my chest so then I'll let you two talk about whatever you why did Mike like I understand Tennessee didn't have a great year this year. Why is Mike Vrabel getting fired? He in my opinion is one of the best coaches in the NFL. The players love him from what I've heard. And he's just like he's just a good coach. Tennessee sucked. Mike Vrabel comes in, they're a playoff team. They're looking like I mean they had the number one seed in the AFC the one year. Like they are two years good. ago. The year yeah. Cincinnati went yeah. to the Super Bowl, they were the number one seed. Like I, conference. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry that, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis can't get it done. That's not Mike Vrabel's fault. They're still a viable team. They literally went into the last game of the season with nothing to play for, and he's able to motivate his guys into – Trust I, me, I, they I, had something yeah, to play for. I Like, I don't want to, like, go on that. But don't like, worry. We'll, I'll coach. get into that. Like, I, any team is going to be lucky to have him wherever he goes and signs. And the thing is, I read an article – um, I had to do a project from an econ class, and I read an article on how it was saying the Patriots should fire Bill Belichick and hire Mike Vrabel because they were saying, like, oh, like, Mike Vrabel is, like, is a, an amazing coach to have when you're rebuilding. Tennessee is rebuilding. If you want an amazing coach to have for rebuilding, keep Mike Vrabel. He wasn't the problem at all. That's the one that I, I think was is a stupid fire, and Tennessee is going to be worse off because of it. Yeah, it was a very weird move overall. Um, he missed the playoffs in the last three seasons, I believe, or two. last two seasons. Only two. That's it. Two sub-500 seasons the year before they were the one seed. That's it. I mean, I don't understand the move either. I think Mike Vrabel's a great coach, and I've been seeing two possibilities for him, which I don't want to get too much into the crystal ball of what's going to be going on with coaching yet. But the Patriots are one of them, and there's – now, I don't know how true this is, but I've been hearing murmurs that Tomlin may be heading out and the Steelers would be going for Vrabel, which I don't uh, believe. I've regarding, seen Patriots and Raiders. Those are the two I've seen. Regarding Vrabel, um, there's no reason to fire him. You drafted Malik Willis in the third round, and then you drafted Will Levis in the second round, and you're going to blame your head coach for a lack of quarterback play. Derrick Henry is a free agent. He's not going to be on the team next year. You're at a crossroads of your franchise. You traded away your best franchise receiver in a number of years to Philadelphia um, in 2021. No, there's no reason to get rid of him. 
I don't know what your plan is now. You're going to bring in a new head coach and a new regime, and you know what they're going to want? They're going to want a quarterback. They're going to want their own quarterback. They're not going to want Levis. They're not going to want Willis. And then you're going to go for three straight years of drafting quarterbacks on the first two days, um, Mm -hmm. which is extremely problematic. I don't want to speculate whatsoever where these coaches are going to end up or what team is the most appealing to them. Um, And I think next week we'll talk about Bill Belichick some more because there will probably be an update on what that situation is in New England. So I'm going to hold off on my Belichick comments until something actually comes through with that, whether he's going to have a reduced role, still be head coach, but not be involved in the GM aspect of it, or he's going to be an assistant, go somewhere else, all of that. But wherever Vrabel goes, that team is going to be pushing the playoffs next year, regardless. And to, to piggyback what you said about the whole quarterback situation Tennessee's putting themselves in, unless you make a drastic trade to jump up into one of those top two spots to get Williams or Drake May, you're you're getting another subpar quarterback, no matter if you take McCarthy, Penix, Bo Nix, go take you know Sam Hartman in the fifth round. Hey, don't disrespect Jaden Daniels. Oh, oh, I forgot about Jaden Daniels, but still, he's going to be like probably a top five pick, go to like Atlanta or something like that. Yeah, which again, he'll still like be ahead of them. You unless you make a trade, which then you're going to give up pieces upon pieces upon pieces. While this Tennessee team is just falling into that purgatory where they're not going to have a good quarterback. They're just going to keep failing and failing and failing until they fail hard, fall into that top, you know, one, two, three spot where they can finally get a quarterback. But then at the end of the day, what quarterback or yeah, what quarterback, what head coach are you bringing in that is going to do better than what Vrabel has done for this franchise? Because right now on the market, I don't see any. Simply put, regardless, they're already falling behind in the division because you have the Texans who just won. You have the Colts who were still vying for the division up until Saturday with a backup quarterback, which, again, Richardson is still up in the air because we haven't seen him fully play outside of, what was it, five games, maybe four games. Um, And the Jags, who I'll just go right into this now, absolutely collapsed and (laughs) did not know how to play football anymore. So, um, no, complete reverse from them last year. Uh, Going into, I believe, like the midway point of last season, they had a 3% chance of making the playoff and then won the division. This year, they had a 98% chance of making the playoff going into the last six games. They went one in five and missed out and lost the division. It was an abysmal road. To the end of the to the end of the season, and the only win, might I add, was with backup quarterback C.J. Beathard against the Panthers. Awful. Um, Trevor Lawrence struggled through injuries, whether it was here and whether it was in the middle of the season, end of the season. Regardless, he was seeing them all year. Um, Christian Kirk going down, he loses his biggest target, but Evan Ingram still had a very big year for for himself. Um, lots of case of the dropses, dropsies, dropses on that receiving core outside of Kirk as well. Um, just simply put, they have to change something. They had the mindset of let's run it back with almost the identical team that we had last year. Well, that didn't work. So let's make some changes. Dave Caldwell is, or Mike Caldwell is already gone. The whole defensive staff is gone. Some of the offensive staff is gone as well. Um, there's, there's changes to come i'm ready for them because i don't know what happened but if you told me that 
Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen are going to combine for 27 and a half sacks on the year. I, I, and Calvin Ridley would have had a 1,000 yard receiving season. Evan Ingram would have had over 100 receptions on the year. I would have said they would have easily made the playoffs. Well, I was completely wrong. So something needs to change. This team is not done, but it's a competitive division now, and I'm scared to see where they're going to fit in next year without change. You you mentioned Evan Ingram. I would just like to say Evan Ingram had the second most receptions ever by a tight end in NFL history. It was 114, which was crazy. Uh, and there's one second thing. I promised my mom I'd say this. You're not going to like this at all, but she wanted me to tell you thank you for helping the Steelers to make the playoffs. So It's fine. I got it all weekend <laughs> um, with the thanks and, and the that they're not good. It was painful. It was painful. And I was hoping Michael Penix would break me out of the slump, but it didn't happen either. It's just the poor like, get poorer and the rich get richer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just like, it was crazy too because I, it was like we were watching Prime D-Hop and Prime Henry again. Like they were doing crazy <laughs> that stuff awesome, that you man. haven't seen like most of the <laughs> Yeah. It, and also, well, you mentioned Evan Ingram. I mean, I mentioned Evan Ingram before too. The one interception – he literally was diving and threw the ball up to the defender. Hey, like, hey, it, can, you, was, can you look at me real quick? Can you look I at am. me and listen to me real quick as a New York Giant fan? And people say, why did you let Evan Ingram go? Why would you let him sign with Jacksonville? That's what Evan Ingram was his entire career in the Giants. Go on Highlight Locker, the YouTube channel. There was an Evan Ingram turnover video made by, oh, I don't know, me. I don't remember how long the video is, but it's 10-plus turnovers strictly caused by Evan Ingram doing that. My father and I say he did an Evan whenever a player does something like that of a tip or hurling the ball up into the air. So, yes, that's awesome. Second most receptions. That is why Evan Ingram is not a New York Giant for all of the seven listeners out there. So put a sock in it when you say Ingram should still be a Giant. Carry on. (laughs) Well, I just, I was going to say, just final thoughts. I'm looking forward to what is to come next year, and I'm hoping that they actually can lock up the division next year when it comes to it. Um, Congratulations to the Texans. Nobody thought you were going to win the division. Um, Mm -hmm. I said they were going to make a big jump, but I didn't think it was going to be this big. Um, My applause to them. Um, D'Amico Ryan should very much be in the conversation for Coach of the Year as well. Um, so yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Moving on. We finally have the NFL playoff picture and the way we're going to do this. I was kind of chatting with Colin before. We're obviously going to go through the whole bracket, make our predictions on what we think is going to happen throughout the whole playoff. Now, this is going to take some working through, but I think all of the wildcard matchups are going to be worth one point because they're already determined. Then from there, if you have the matchup correct, that's an extra point, but each round is worth like whatever round it is. So with the second round, it'd be worth two points if you get the winner correct, and then worth an extra point for the matchup correct. So it'd be a total of three points and so on. Yeah, I'm going to win. So we're going to move forward with that. (laughs) I'm going to win. We're going to start out with the wild card round. I'll read off the matchups in the I believe this is the order that they're going to be played. So we've got the we've got the Browns and the Texans as the first matchup. 
I would like to say I think this is going to be the best matchup of the entire wild card. And I'm truly like, I don't know what's going to happen because CJ Stroud could lead this team to a win. Give me Joe Flacco. <laughs> I, uh, I'm taking Joe Flacco too. I also have Joe Flacco winning this game. Um, but I'm I'm not taking Joe Flacco because of Joe Flacco. I'm taking Joe Flacco because of Cleveland's defense. This is one of the best defenses, not like of the NFL right now. This is one of the best defenses in the past 10 years. They yeah. are historically good, and they will put up a fight against any team in the NFL. I don't care about Joe Flacco. Nice guy. Happy through 13 touchdowns. Fun story. But no, I, I hope he gets. I hope he gets game. a win for his birthday. Um, Me too. Be cool. But uh, no, I'm. Uh, you know, I, I'm very impressed with what the Texans have been able to do. This offense is very good, as well. Not to discredit their defense. Their defense is also good. But uh, I think uh, the Texans are a, a, still a little bit unexperienced, especially when it comes to this first round. They do have home field, but the Browns' defense is crazy. Um, I think if they get pressure on C.J. Stroud, it's going to be a very difficult game for them. Next, the next matchup is, I believe it's Dolphins-Chiefs, right? Saturday night. Saturday it's supposed night. supposed to be a uh, expected game day feel of negative it is. three or four. It is the Peacock game, zero degrees with a low of negative six, and it will be feeling below zero throughout the entire game. Uh. That means that the Chiefs are going to win that game. Tell me, Tua is going to go. Yeah, why are you quiet? Because it's just. just, Say it like you Say it. The Chiefs are going to win that football game. You're telling me Tua is going to walk in in negative temperature and just, you know, have a career game? No, he's going to fail. He's (laughs) going to underperform, and the Chiefs are going to walk out of that game with like a 17 13 win. Isaiah Pacheco is going to give someone frostbite. Just yeah. by running into you in negative temperatures, it's going to be awesome. I'm taking Kansas City as well. I'm yeah. also taking Kansas. Oh, sorry, I didn't know you were. Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say regarding Miami, they'll get over the hump. I think they can get over the hump with Tua. This is just a bad matchup for them. The weather does not help them. It's everything is against them. That's why. Yeah, I'm also going with Kansas City. Um, you don't take you don't pick against Patrick Mahomes right now, especially not in a wild card matchup. Um, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, next matchup, I believe, is Cowboys and Packers. I believe you are lying, and it's Buffalo Pittsburgh is the. Oh yeah, that is at one. That is at one. My bad. They rip off all the AFC. Okay, so yeah, I think we can all just easily pick this. Yeah, Buffalo. I'm I'm also taking Buffalo, but I would just like to say I think Pittsburgh got a legitimate shot here, just only because of their defense. Only because of their defense. Even without T.J. Watt? Yeah, T.J. Watt's not it's there. Still, it's still a good defense without T.J. Like, uh, T.J. Watt is one of the best players in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. They're 1-10 in, in his career without him. It is still a good defense without him. I don't think they're going to win, but they could put up a fight. And I think yeah. a fight with Josh Allen, with how underperforming he's been, these, you know, I mean, the whole season, but it's... The underperform... I, I keep going. I don't want to interrupt you. Well, I'll no, it's just you if you if you're looking at a team, what does Josh Allen do? He has turnovers. If you're looking at a team that loves to you know get turnovers, it's Pittsburgh, and that I mean it's something that could change the game. You still it's still when once you go to offense, you still have 
Mason Rudolph under center, and again, TJ Watt's not there. I think the Bills are going to win this game. I just, I'm saying, I think Pittsburgh can compete, and when you compete with that, there's a chance that Josh Allen does something stupid and loses the game for them. I'm just saying that. Um, I still think Buffalo's going to win. I just want to say about Josh Allen, the guy led the NFL in touchdowns. He had 44 total touchdowns this year, and everyone talks about the turnovers. Josh Allen did not lead the NFL in turnovers this year. Sam Howell did, not mm-hmm. to be mean to Sam Howell. But you bash him all you want. Jalen Hurts had two less turnovers. Tua had three less. Mahomes had five less. Yes, he turns the ball over. But this is not a Jameis Winston 30-for-30 season where he is the sole reason why Buffalo is losing games with the turnovers. No, not at all. That's his, that's his archetype of a quarterback. I don't – I. I just don't appreciate Josh Allen bashing. Not that you're bashing him, but this is a general thing of saying he turns the ball over too much. You have 44 total touchdowns, and they're legitimate touchdowns. Jalen Hurts is second in total touchdowns, and 11 of them came from a one-yard rush that was out, meaning there is a drastic drop-off of Allen to whoever is then second after Hurts. Josh Allen's interception turnovers a lot of times are just him trying to do too much with the ball down the field. And Pittsburgh has had one of the best secondaries this year with Joey Porter. I think, like, actually, he has, I think he had, like, the best coverage something, like, out of anybody in the NFL. Like, I think it was, like, maybe, like, completion percentage allowed or something like that. Yeah. Like, this is a defense that has good they, secondary. They can capitalize it. Capitalize yeah, that's what I'm saying. Most definitely. Yeah. Like, and again, they're not a horrible team at the end of the day. They're in the playoffs for a reason. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Jacksonville. Yeah. Thanks, t- thanks, Tennessee. Both of you. Uh, all right, so now we'll rip off the NFC. So now it is Packers at Cowboys, right? Or is it Rams? No, that's the Sunday night game. Yeah, it's Packers Cowboys. Okay, Packers Cowboys. <laughs> Packers Cowboys. Circle. Uh, I this hate Dallas. Matter. Give me Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy for the Packers that they made it, but I'm not. Dallas. You lost to Tommy DeVito in prime time. Uh, the Lions are hosting the Rams in the Matthew Stafford jersey is banned game. The Rams are winning this game, and I can't wait to see it. I am also right. choosing the Rams over the Lions in this game. I'm taking the Rams too. Meaning we haven't disagreed on. Anything. <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to. Say, I didn't want to. We're not going to disagree on anything in the wild card then, because. Well, that that's also just means that all the matchups are going to be the same. So either we're all getting one point for the matchups, or we're not getting. Any we're not getting nothing. Yeah. Um, I I will say though regarding the Rams and the Lions and the Matthew Stafford, Jared Goff. No one seems to care about the Jared Goff storyline. It's, it's all about Matthew Stafford. Stafford, and rightfully so. That's okay. But my thing is, it's the Lions. At the end of the day, it's the Detroit Lions. Mm-hmm. So if they can win this game, you are breaking not only your own odds and laws of football physics you are breaking down walls of history to be able to win this game it's like the new york mets doing something it is insane if they actually win this game and they might i'm picking the rams just because it's the lions being the lions the lions secondary is also abysmal this year and matthew stafford has already proven that puka nakua can be reliable for him cooper cup is obviously still there and what Kyron Williams, Williams has been Williams. able to do, yeah, what Kyron Williams, Williams has been able to do with this Rams team is crazy. Kyron Williams, Notre Dame, uh, former Notre Dame Notre player, Dame might I add. Yeah, Notre Dame <laughs> legend. Love that man. Um, so I'm high on the Rams right now going into the playoffs. Uh, At the right time. Finally, 
Eagles and Bucks Monday night. I think we all know what's going down here. This is where we're all going to disagree. Give me the Eagles. <laughs> is it? Really? Yeah, give me, no, give me the Eagles. <laughs> give me Tampa. Actually? Give me Tampa. Wow. Loud and proud. Philadelphia stinks, and I'm not picking both Dallas and Philadelphia more than anything. But I understand that Giants game doesn't mean anything. Devontae Smith wasn't playing DeAndre Swift. They had multiple players resting. But you still threw out A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts in there. A.J. Brown, for a second, I thought he tore his ACL. That guy was not he was not getting up from the field. He's injured. He's not going to be 100%. They're lucky to have this game on Monday to get the extra rest. Jalen Hurts just looked at his finger. That thing was gross on live television yeah. to tell that it was not doing well. They're banged up. They've been bad. They have been, I don't know how many games they've won in the second half of the season. I think they went like one and four. They went one and five. They had the easiest last six games, and they went one and five with the one win being. Being um, the Giants on Christmas yeah. Day, which is the yeah. only guaranteed loss in New York Giants history, being primetime on Christmas Day. They're never going to win that. Philadelphia is a bad team. And yes, Tampa is not the greatest team ever. They squeaked out in a week NFC South to get to nine and eight. Barely got by Carolina. They still shut them out. I hate Philadelphia. That's more than anything why I'm not picking them. But this Eagles team is bad as well. More than anything, they are just a bad football team, and they are not what they were last year, and they're not even what they were at the beginning of this season. I like that take. I like your I like your risk of taking the Bucks. I'm not I'm not that risky. So I I I'll I'll Baker's say won I give, a playoff I give game, you more man. Props. He's won a playoff game. He, he almost beat he, he almost beat Pat Mahomes. Almost won yeah, two. he almost beat Pat Mahomes. Until, what was it? Was it Chad Henney that Chad came Henning. That yeah. Pat yeah. Slash yeah. Chad Henning. Yeah. Uh all right, divisional matchups. So on the AFC side we're all gonna have the same. They're actually on the end. Yeah, yeah. So we've got Cleveland and Baltimore. Baltimore. <sighs> Yeah, like Baltimore I love, I love Cleveland. I love the defense. I love what they're doing. I think they could give Lamar fits, but at the end of the day, it's just uh, how far do you think Joe Flacco and this offense could take them? Which is where I'll take Baltimore. Can you can you correct me if I'm wrong? Did you not say Baltimore's losing their first playoff game? I said I it, and that's I'm why I'm saying that. Browns over Ravens. Joe Flacco okay. revenge game. Give me it right now. But Colin, you've been a Lamar yeah, Jackson I've hater been... too. I've been, but they're gonna have two weeks to rest up. They're gonna have so much time to work and prepare, and then it's just the point of like, Joe Flacco could beat the Texans. I don't know if I trust Joe Flacco to take this team back to back weeks. I do. Joe Flacco's won a Super Bowl. He, he's won a Super Bowl. He's also won ten a Super years Bowl. ago. Like, yeah, I he think still it won it. So had Ray well. Lewis and Ed yeah. Reed on his team. <laughs> On the other side. And now he has Kareem Hunt and Amari Cooper. <laughs> and David Njoku, he's looked like uh, yeah. a god since Flacco's been there. Yeah, that is very true. One guy's bomber uh, fantasy championship, David Njoku. He did, he did. <laughs> All right, then we've got the Bills and the Chiefs, a matchup that everyone Always loves, loves to this see. Is, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's the it best. happens This is what the, the NFL playoffs it, exists for. It keeps happening. Um... What are each of you doing? I don't I'm know. taking the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs. I don't. I. I. It's just hard to take against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. Maybe an overtime game because Josh Allen does not have good history in that. So, but this hey, would also be road. a different. It would be. It would be in yeah. Buffalo yeah. too. This yeah. would that's, be the, that's why, the first yeah. road game. If Pat this Mahomes was in NFL career. 
Yeah. If this was an Arrowhead, I'd easily take the Chiefs, but just the sheer fact that it's in Buffalo, I actually. I don't know. Buffalo. I'm picking like, Kansas I'll take, City. I'll by take the way. Buffalo. I'll take Buffalo. Okay. We have some some differences now. All right, then we've got the NFC. So, is it Niners, Rams? No, because you, you took the we, Lions, we, Wally, or you take the Rams? I took the Rams. Okay, yeah, so the only Cowboys one. Cowboys, Rams. Was, yeah, our second matchup would be different. I'm taking the Cowboys over the Rams. I hate Dallas. But Wait, would it those... be? Yeah. No, no, no. no. It would be Niners, Rams. No, no, no. It's, not, it's reset. It's Niners, Ra- it's Niners, Rams, regardless, because the one, the one seed gets Plays the, the lowest seed, seed yeah. no matter what. It'd be Niners, Rams. So Niners, Rams is consistent for us, but then instead it'd be Dallas, Bucks for you rather than Dallas. Wow, Eagles. Dallas, Philly is it would be a dope like matchup, just like an division. Yeah, it's Dallas Bucks for me. So, so we've got Rams and Niners. Uh, uh, Niners, Niners. Niners. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you cannot fifty. Yeah. Put Sam Donald out there. <laughs> Get him some playoff reps. Um, and then we've got Cowboys Eagles and Cowboys Bucks. Cowboys regardless, uh, and by twenty plus. I'm taking the Dallas Cowboys as team. well to set um, up a very great NFC championship. Yeah, I'm gonna take the uh Cowboys and yeah. In Dallas, might I add. Exactly. All right, the conference championships. I've got Chiefs and Browns. You guys have Ravens. And I have Ravens, Chiefs, and he I has Ravens, Ravens Chiefs, Bills. and Ravens, We've Bills. So three right. different matchups. You, uh, I'm gonna take this first because you guys are gonna call me crazy here. I'm taking the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl. How can you hate on Lamar this entire time and then you're going to Yeah, you're contradicting because yourself, I, man. I, I, this is I, a record-breaking contradiction. I genuinely What's think next? The Raiders are winning the Super Bowl next year? I think the AFC is down The Raiders year, make the Raiders win the division? I think the Ravens are the best team in the NFL right now because of their defense. I mean, Lamar's still a good quarterback. He's just not Lamar's still a good quarterback. I Guy's never said he was. <laughs> I never, I never said he was a bad quarterback. I'm just, I didn't think he's a top five quarterback. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's still good enough to take them over the Bills. I don't see. I think the AFC is having a down year compared to what they've had with the Chiefs and what the Bills have brought yeah. in, and I think the Ravens are going to capitalize on that, make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the AFC's having a down year. The Chiefs haven't been as good. And that's why the Browns are going to beat them in the conference championship. They go to the Super Bowl. You cannot be serious. <laughs> Give me Joe Flacco in the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm taking Baltimore as well. Straightforward. But Cleveland, okay. You're a brave man. Cleveland. Cleveland. I respect you quite a bit. Uh, and then the NFC. We've got Niners, Cowboys all around. Nice. And I Niners. are we are we all taking the Niners? I was gonna say I'm taking the Niners. I'm never the gonna take to Dallas to go to the Super Bowl. If I had the ew, same way Browns, the, Browns the same and way Cowboys Lions, Super Bowl. Browns the Cowboys the Lions can't like, win a playoff game. The U.S. would explode probably. I would love it. I would love it. <laughs> um. So Super Bowl matchups. You guys both have Ravens Niners, correct? Uh-huh. Yes. I've got Niners, Cleveland Browns, and I'm taking the Niners to win. Brock Purdy Super Bowl MVP. CMC uh, I, Super Bowl. I MVP. have written down 
uh, San Francisco, but so all three of us don't pick the same team. I'll take Baltimore in a Christmas Day evening rematch, and Baltimore gets by him twice. It is difficult. Difficult. I combine tough and difficult. It's difficult to beat the same team twice in one season, especially if they're not from your division. But have you let's say let's say Baltimore does it this year and Lamar Jackson, Colin Canise, and Jake Verndy, Lamar Jackson not only wins MVP this year, wins a Super Bowl and wins Super Bowl MVP. No. If he, if he wins Super Bowl MVP, I will I will gladly think me and Casey already wrong. had that conversation on if I, I would actually start wrong. saying that I was wrong. Or that I'm wrong about Lamar if he wins the Super Bowl this year. And I said maybe because it depends on the caba- capacity of how they win and how they get there. Okay, yeah. If they, if they winner, win, or he's going if they to win on defense. Yeah, MVP. but he also – didn't he have, like, the lowest completion percentage of an MVP ever the last time he won it? He also threw for 30-plus touchdowns and accounted for 40 overall. Yeah, I'm not saying he didn't – he doesn't – well, he deserves the MVP very much this year. I would just like to say, do you guys I don't see care the about completion percentage. that the Super Bowl logo the past like two yeah, or three it has years like has the lined colors. up. So the gradient colors. It's purple. It's purple and. I just don't think they want to put orange in the logo. That's the thing. Brown, brown would <laughs> not look good in the a, logo. A, a, yeah. A so you know what the purple is? The purple is the purple actually re- represents Joe Flacco's first time being in the Super Bowl <laughs> against against the Forty ers You know, it could be Baltimore versus Tampa. We get that same reddish <laughs> silhouette. Just you know, throwing it. If out it's there. Baker Mayfield against Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield versus I Joe might, Flacco. I might Cleveland just Tampa yes, yes, give me that. I was actually thinking there's a legitimate chance it could be CJ Stroud versus Jared Goff in the Super Bowl. So that's a legitimate chance. <laughs> no, that was a joke. That was a joke before people actually think I, I mean that. But do they have some sort of connection? Not at all. It's just I know probably I the try, most I try to removed take the quarterbacks <laughs> in this playoff field. Try and find a connection from CJ Stroud to Jared Goff. Well, C.J. Stroud played with Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary played with uh, Josh Allen. When did Josh C.J. Allen... What is it? Yeah. Oh, now God. you're just bridging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Someone out there. I bet there's someone. I'm sure someone played oh, at easy. Ohio State and is now on the Lions. That's the easiest way to get to it. And I'm sorry we're yeah. fake fans and we don't know that Ohio State player off the top of Off the head. top of our head. Well, I never claimed to like Ohio State. I don't like Ohio State. <laughs> with that being said wally in the meantime where can the people find us hit us up at slinging sports on instagram at sling underscore sports on twitter the number one way to know when each and every episode drops i will also say the graphic will be back to normal this week we had some typical technical difficulties last week shout out pixlr.com for being able to fill in for the graphic but not sponsored but thank you and uh nice and crisp when it comes out tomorrow or hey, now as you're listening to this it still came out pretty nice and the adversity that you overcame for that amazing wally was, gotta give you a round of applause well thank you all so much for listening to this episode we'll catch you all in the next one peace